Welcome to another episode of Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check out all the other stuff we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. This episode of Gear 30 is all about Interbike, where three of our reviewers, including our bike editor Noah Bodman, recently headed to Nevada to check out Interbike's new digs in Reno rather than Las Vegas. Noah gives me the rundown on what he saw, what he didn't see, and what he wrote at Interbike. And if you haven't already checked out his written Interbike recap on the website, you should, because it turns out Noah's actually pretty funny. And don't skip the start of our conversation today because we give a bit of an update on our 1819 Winter Buyer's Guide that we're putting the finishing touches on. And that buyer's guide is also the reason that I'm recording this introduction at 3 in the morning. And then we also reveal some details about my participation at Interbike last year. And let's just say that it involved a neck brace and some fresh new neck hardware and riding mountain bikes. Speaking of riding bikes, this episode of Gear 30 is once again brought to you by the 750 plus miles of trail in the Gunnison and Crested Butte Trails Network. And you know, I've been telling you about those 750 miles of trail for quite a while now, and if for some reason you still don't believe me about how awesome the riding around Gunnison and Crested Butte is, well then how about this? The trails are so good, and it's such a phenomenal area... We're just going to move there. To learn more about the riding around Gunnison and Crested Butte, head over to mtbhome.com, then book your trip, because the fall riding in Gunnison and Crested Butte is super, super stupid good and gorgeous. So check it out. Go. Now. And on that note, let's talk more about bicycles with the occasionally incisive, but always charming, Noah Bodman. Noah, how's it going today? Pretty good. How are you doing today, Jonathan? I'm doing great. We are currently in the throes of finishing up our 200-page buyer's guide. So we are in that lovely land where, you know, showers just basically don't happen and every waking moment is pretty much on this buyer's guide. Though, we do have a bunch of other things kind of going on, so we're we're balancing that out. But the one thing I will say, we've we've talked in past years about how like it's just utter sleep deprivation when we're doing these big massive winter buyers guides. This year, the mandate has been like to get more sleep. And uh so I keep checking in with the crew and I think everybody we're all doing better than we have in past years. So you know, we, I think, you know, the tale of torture is less than it has been in the past. And we are all very, very happy about that. I bet that'll make your copy editing go a little more smoothly. That that should. Um, that should. Uh, so anyway, uh, I'm still not sleeping that much, but uh, that's for other reasons that are actually less less related to the buyer's guide. So, yeah, I'd say all in all, things are very good right now. But I... I wanted to talk to you because I've been on the road pretty nonstop and you uh, were just out with some of our other reviewers at Interbike and I haven't even had a chance to really debrief with you. So uh, that is the point of this conversation today. And uh, I think we should begin by reminiscing about, you know, just a year ago 
when you and I were at Interbike, and I was pretty fresh off of a very serious neck surgery, uh, and so was actually at Interbike, like, riding bikes in a neck brace, which I definitely didn't tell my surgeon about, and I, I think I, like, mandated that there would be no photographs of this at the time, because, I don't know, for insurance reasons or whatever, um, it seemed like it would be better to not advertise that that fact. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was going to Interbike, and I needed someone to come and take pictures, and uh, turned out you were that guy. So you <laughs> you did a, a bunch of stiff-necked photographing around Bootleg Canyon. <laughs> Which was probably not the most efficient way to get some good pictures, but we persevered. We did. And and you did not manage to paralyze yourself. That yeah. So I think that's a win. It, it We take it as a win. Um, man, my, my surgeon would have just shot me. Like if he, you know, his big thing was like, don't screw up all of my work. You know, and uh, so I assure you, he would have uh, he would have just been like, man, you're an idiot. I'm just going to take you out myself before you have a chance to rip all this hardware out of your neck or paralyze yourself. So I also remember from that people were like, just stunned. I had a lot. I've got many, many like wide eyed gazes from other inner bike attendees. And they yeah, were I like, think it was like. It was like 10% like, oh man, way to get after it. And like 90% yeah. like, you're a fucking idiot. Yeah. Yeah, or like think, a lot of... I think of the them... 90% was was correct. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but um, you know, all's well that ends well, right? Yeah. And, you know, we had fun. And worth saying maybe, I mean, I think that was really... That was the last time that it was when we were together in the Vegas, you know, hotel rooms that you and I had our last most serious conversation about bikes versus skis, which, you know, we've then have uh, gone on to share with the world. Uh, and, you know, I'm sure the world is uh, deeply thanks us for, for that. Um, so, yeah. 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 We've brought that, uh, that light to the world. <laughs> You're welcome world. Um, well, anyway, I am no longer in a neck brace. Uh, I, I'm sad that I wasn't able to be at Interbike with you this time around. And you're in a new location. So I want to hear about all these things. And so why don't we just start with that? What did you think of the new spot? Yeah, yeah. We've, uh, Interbike has been in Vegas for many, many years. And this year they moved to Reno. Uh, and the demo that we went to was up at North Star Resort in Tahoe. And so, yeah, we, we spent the first couple of days up at North Star. I'd never ridden North Star before. The trails are super fun. Uh, just moon dust and boulders is pretty much how I'd describe it. Um, but they've got some fun jump trails and some fun tech. Uh, the trails were great. It was a pretty tough place to demo bikes just because it kind of takes a while to, to run some laps. And so that made it. There wasn't a lot of turnover at the demo, which meant it was pretty hard to get on bikes. We struggled with that a bit, but there were some uh, there were some good companies there. There were some companies, uh, some of the more European companies like Mondraker and Canyon that have now come to the U.S. in the last couple of years, but uh, we haven't had much of a chance to get on their bikes just since they haven't had as much of a North American presence. So we did get some time on a couple of the Canyons, uh, the new Spectral. 
the Torque. And then on Mondraker, we got on the Foxy, both with 29 and 27.5 wheels. Uh, and then we got on some other bikes from Da Vinci, from Pivot, rode the new 429 Trail. Uh, and, uh, well, and I rode some e-bikes, which was, oh. uh, yeah, always interesting. Um, I rode an e-fat bike from Bulls, uh, which was uh, a pretty good time. I was mostly riding it because I needed to take some pictures of one of our other guys that was, uh, I think, riding a Mondraker. Uh, but then I also did a few laps on the new Pivot Shuttle, which is their like $10,000 e-wonder bike. Wow. Uh, it's like a, I think it's a 150 mil travel bike, um, with good trail bike geometry. It's light by e-bike standards. I think with pedals, it was right around 47 pounds, which is light in the world of e-bikes. And yeah, I ran it down everything from tech trails to jump trails. And, um, yeah, that's, it's, uh, it's an interesting experience. Uh, I can see why people like them. You know, I think like my super cynical take on it is that it climbs like a shitty dirt bike. It descends like a shitty trail bike and it costs as much as a shitty car. Uh, but that is, that is admittedly fairly cynical, uh, cause it's a super nice bike and it rides actually really well. Uh, I mean, I feel like you're walking. Uphill. I feel like you're walking it back. I feel like you're walking your claims back very quickly. No, every one of my individual claims is correct. It's just that you know, taking a shitty dirt bike and a shitty trail bike for the cost of a shitty car and smashing it all into one machine, it actually yields something that's that's pretty cool. Um, you know, case in point, Zan, one of our other reviewers. He was riding, uh, I don't recall what he was on that lap, maybe one of the Mondrakers. And he waited in line for the gondola. I just pedaled the e-bike up the access road. And I beat him to the top of the lift by probably eight minutes. Wow. Uh, like, you know, I could average 10 miles an hour uphill without breaking a sweat. Hmm. And so, I mean, it feels like cheating. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then we got on the trails and I was riding all the same stuff down as Zan was. Uh, in the techie stuff, Zan could definitely pull away from me. Uh, the e-bike, the, the extra weight is a bit of a handle when mm -hmm. a handful when when things get slower and techier, which there's plenty of, of that at Northstar. Uh, but on the jump trails, on Burmy jump trails, um it actually rode pretty well uh i i figured out on the first jump that i can whip the thing pretty well i just cannot pull it back <laughs> <laughs> so uh it handles sideways landings just fine <laughs> uh but yeah all in all it's it's a pretty fun bike to jump and i can see why people are excited about them on less technical trails especially rolly trails. I think it would be a ton of fun. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't really have enough time on it to assess like battery life or any of that sort of thing. So that would all 
come into play. But uh, yeah, they're cool. And as long as the e-bikes don't screw uh, pedal bikes out of trail access yep. by riding on non-motorized trails, then I think they are pretty cool. Yep. And to that point, because I'm with you on that, I might actually be in the market for an e-bike soon, which you and I can discuss at a later time. Um, but definitely not. I mean, this would be for use on motorized trails. Is that what we say? Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I think that's still a discussion that's sort of getting worked out with the land managers yeah. because obviously there's a difference between, you know, a 454 stroke and an e-bike. Yeah. Uh, but there's also a difference between an e-bike and your traditional uh, non-motorized mountain bike. Yeah. So uh, I think there's some nuances that are still getting worked out and it's probably going to take a little time for those to get completely worked out. Um but uh, you know, to Pivot's credit, who has who made the shuttle that I rode, you know, they have some resources that they were pushing even at the demo to kind of help e-bike users figure out what trails they can legally ride on. Yep. Uh, so I think at least some yep. of the companies in the industry are doing a good job of kind of uh, shaping that discussion and heading issues off of the past, yep. past as, as best as possible. Yep. Um, no, I think that's great. Um, and I guess I should clarify what I'm talking about actually would be like a kind of straight up commuting tool, um, which as you and I have discussed, we're in favor of those kinds of applications. Right. And, and so. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there was a lot of those floating around the show. We didn't really demo any of them mm -hmm. up at North Star. Generally, the commuters, I don't think, fare really well on the jump trails. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we skipped that opportunity. Uh, but, yeah, there's there's a ton of that at Interbike. And, well, uh, yeah, at the show itself, at the actual convention in Reno, there was uh, even more of that. I would say those were the dominant bike that we're at the show this year was e-commuter bikes huh well what else let's move away from the e-world yeah uh, yeah what, what actual bikes you... regular bikes yeah what else should you tell me about well uh you know at the demo we favored a little bit of the long travel bikes just because we're mostly riding chairlifts and downhill trails so kind of horses for courses riding the appropriate bike for what we had to demo on um so i think actually the shortest travel bike that we got on was that pivot 429 trail eric Friesen rode that one and he seemed super psyched on it uh just said it was fast carried speed everywhere smoothed things out impressively well for not being a super long travel bike um and then i spent some time on the Mondraker Foxy RR29, uh, so the 29-inch wheeled version of their Foxy platform. Uh, and yeah, that thing was super interesting. It's got their uh, rider-forward geometry, so it's a pretty long front end paired with a short stem. Uh, that's increasingly common, but Mondraker was one of the first companies to really push that. And, and I really like it. Uh, I think it's just one of those bikes where I hopped on it and right off the bat was super comfortable on it. Um, 
you know, it helps that it was uh, their high-end model with all nice stuff on it. But uh, yeah, it's it's an easy bike to just hop on and go fast on right from the get-go. Uh, but yeah, uh, maybe uh, maybe we segue into the actual show itself down in Reno. And Let's I can tell about you about everything that you missed in Reno since, you know, you were in Vegas last year. And, I know. You know, I don't know if Vegas can really hold up against the hype of Reno, which is the biggest little city. That's uh, what I hear. Yeah, according to the giant sign right outside my hotel room. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Reno is, uh, is a little less over the top than Vegas. Hmm. Uh, and I think that is representative of the Interbike show as a whole this year, is that it is less over the top. Um, it was pretty low key. It's a smaller show this year. Smaller convention center, smaller show, less people there, less, less companies there. Um, very few actual mountain bikes there. Uh, Pivot was there. And Jameis was there. And uh, Haro had some mountain bikes. You know, obviously, there's plenty of uh, parts manufacturers, Hope and GT Swiss and, and a, a Shimano, of course. Uh, a bunch of those type of brands were there, and they all had mountain bikes on display. But in terms of actual bike manufacturers, uh, there weren't that many of them, which is a trend that we've seen over the last few years. But uh, that did not reverse itself at Reno. Okay. Um, and yeah, the show itself was pretty small. It feels like it's really where the soft goods manufacturers come to show off their stuff. Uh, so lots of backpacks and knee pads and helmets and that kind of stuff there, which is great. It's, it's good to see the new stuff, um, but not a whole lot in that realm that was real groundbreaking or head turning. Um, I guess if I'm going to pick one noteworthy thing there, it'd probably be Oakley is venturing into the mountain bike realm uh, with a helmet. Uh, There's a Greg Minar signature model and then uh, some non-signature models that are basically the same helmet but a different color. Uh, And it's a good-looking helmet. It's got some cool features on it. It's got this forehead gasket sweat out of your eyes that also looks like it would probably do a good job of like creating a line of zits right above your eyebrows but uh but it's actually i think a cool idea and the helmet comes with just a regular foam pad so if you don't like it or it is giving you zits and you can swap it out super easily um but mostly i think it's noteworthy that a big company like oakley is kind of venturing into that mountain bike realm i don't know if they're gonna dramatically expand their lineup they kind of hinted that they had more stuff coming down the line um most likely a full face but no details whatsoever on that at this point but you know they're a big player and for them to kind of enter the mountain bike game is noteworthy yeah um other than that, uh, yeah, there's a lot of e-bikes. 
a lot of like e-cargo bikes, a lot of e-commuting bikes, a lot of, uh, there were quite a few folding e-fat bikes, uh, many of which had like 20 inch wheels. I didn't even know they made 20 inch fat bike tires, uh, but they do. And lots of companies are putting them on folding e-bikes. So if you commute in the winter on snow and live in a small place or work in a small office where space is at a premium, several companies have your back. Wow. Okay, then. Yep. Um, As per usual at Interbike, there was the whole uh, kind of Asian territory where all of the sort of generic Asian brands cluster together. Uh, I did a few laps through there just because it's always interesting to see what they're naming their companies and their bikes, or at least what translation looks like in English. Uh, I did have uh, a couple of difficult, stilted conversations in broken English about the current situation with tariffs and how bringing bikes over from China is, I, I think they were saying it's difficult and expensive, or it will be soon. Um, so there were concerns there. Uh, and I think I had some of those concerns or some of those conversations with, uh, companies that, that I was familiar with and that spoke English. And yeah, that I think there's a, there's broad concern around the industry that those tariffs are going to increase prices on just about everything. Um, so that's, that's a concern and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, other than that, um, well, we did our, our little interbike recap. So, yep. People should few, check that out on the site. Yep. Um, single bike racks for, for lonely people. And, um, <laughs> well, yep. okay. My first reaction was like, yeah, single bike rack is for, for the solo riders, uh, the fine folks at Kuat pointed out that it there are quite a few people who commute part way. So, like if you drive from your house in the suburbs to like the edge of the city at like a park and ride or whatever, and then you commute from there, so you get a little bit of exercise, but not you know you don't have your bike commute so that's long. Super duper exercise. Yeah, yeah. You don't want too much exercise. Right. That's, right. I know you live by that rule. Right. I mean, you don't want to overdo it. So anyways, (laughs) for those, for those types of commuting folks, there's now, uh, there are single bike racks from Kuat. I think Cooley was showing one. Um, Rocky Mounts had one. So yeah, you've got options if, if you don't want to carry more than one bike and they're, and they're light, you know, you can take them on and off the car pretty easily. Yep. Given that I have to get back to this buyer's guide, uh, we yeah. need to wrap up. So yeah. thank you for your take on Interbike. And you and I will be working on some other other things, I think, in the near future here. And hopefully we even may be seeing you soon, um, which we'll have to do some ne- back and forth negotiation on. But that would be fun, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah, I might let you go. And I'll, I'm going to get back to 
struggling with a cush core installation. Sick. Sick. Yeah. Okay. Hey, man. Um, thanks. And talk to you later. Talk to you later. That's it for this edition of Gear 30. Thanks to Noah Bodman for the conversation. And be sure to check out his Interbike recap on our website, if only to read about the EasyLand e-bike. Then be sure to head over to mtbhome.com to learn more about the riding and the trail network in Gunnison and Crested Butte. And like I said, what more can I do to convince you how amazing the place is than to literally move there? Do I have to get like a Crested Butte neck tattoo or something? Finally, thanks to our podcast producer, Luke Alley, for his work on this episode. And we will talk to you again very soon. Take care, everybody.